Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tales from the Loop, Episode 6, Parallel, is over. But here on Post Show Recaps, we are just getting started. My name is Grace, but of course I'm not alone. I'm here with DM Philly. Philly, how you doing? I'm so good. I've been out uh, looking for uh, the ivory-billed woodpecker, Grace. I'm doing well. <laughs> I heard. I thought I heard that, but I wasn't sure that I could I could actually see it. I didn't know that, so, yeah. Um, of course, we are not alone either. We're joined by Ariel. Ariel, how you doing? I'm good. I'm just like looking for holes. Have you seen oh. holes around here? Mm, yeah, I was almost said no, but that's not how you do improv. I've learned. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. and <laughs> yes, and well, we could know, but I haven't seen any holes. But uh, I know I've brought some with me to this podcast. No, yeah. but is a thing I learned from Rich Filiberto that I very much like, uh, which mm. is uh, you know people. It's this is mostly from D and D. Rich is when people would be like, "Can I do this thing?" And you're like, "No, but you can do this thing." And it's it is very the clever. much less popular half of improv. Yes, and no. gets all the fanfare, but no, but is really like a important left hand to the right. You know. Yeah. I learned I learned no but from Josh Wiggler when I was like, oh, can I podcast about this thing? And he was like, no, but. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> about I thought you were going to say Josh Wiggler had no but, but I was. Gonna... <laughs> hey, the you're, I feel like some of the impetus for you, but it was like, uh, can I podcast about dark? He's like, no, but maybe in four years. And then maybe in four. Oh, my God. I don't know if it was four years, but. It's 33, it feels yeah. like. All right. Well, we're not talking about dark. Uh, we did talk about dark. Now we're talking about Tales from the Loop. I'm specifically talking about episode six, Parallel which is all about our boy Gaddis, uh, who's going to travel to a multiverse, which some people in the Discord were saying, this opens up all possibilities for the final two episodes of the show, which I would agree. But what'd you make of this episode, Rich? 
I really like this one. I don't know why, you know, I, I saw a lot of criticism towards this episode because it feels maybe the most tangential to the main story air quotes that we've kind of been following. Like the through line feels the most kind of deviated from in, in episode six so far, at least, but I just love it. It's one of the episodes that resonates the most with me. When I think back to tales from the loop, I think the actor, uh, he's just doing something effervescent with the, with the performance. I'm one of these like tragic romantics that I love a real depressing, heartbreaking romance story. And it feels so palpable in that way, relatable, accessible to my emotional kind of memory. Um, I, I like episode six a lot. I really am pretty high on parallel. Um, oh, per Periel. Oh, hold on. Let me, let me, hold on. Periel. <laughs> there's a pair of there's a pair of Ariels. What'd you make of this one? Um, I, I am, I think, so deeply interested in stories like this of people meeting different versions of themselves. I mean, obviously, that's something we talked a lot about in Dark, but just in general, whether it's like sci-fi or more mystical or whatever the genre may be, that's like, I feel like there is a, uh, it's like an unending well of, of, of interest and just like emotion that emerges from me with this kind of story. I think it's, I always put myself in that position. Like, what would I, what would I be like? What would I say to this person who was supposed to be me? Um, so I really, I really liked it. I thought it, it definitely feels like a smaller story, but in a way that I don't mind. And seeing an actor get to play two different like sides of a coin, if you will, and find like commonality with, themselves is is always really interesting so i i thought it was pretty good i think i'm going to be the lowest on this on this one which is such a shame because it's literally a queer love story um mm -hmm. but uh you know i i just found i you know i give a pass to the episode that's mostly about jonathan price russell i think is his character or russ um russ. that that we move away from being um at least somewhat tied to sort of coming of age stories to a degree like um you know episode one is uh is um oh what's her name is it laura what is the character's name in episode one doesn't matter um i mean it does but more no it sounds it sounds familiar. anyway you're talking about loretta, loretta. yeah i'm talking about loretta episode yep. two is jacob and danny episode three is may and and ethan um, and then, yeah, you get this one of like Russ, but it's like also about Cole too. It's like about his, his grandchild. Um, I guess last week is mostly about Dan, uh, is about sorry, Danny, like Ed, but I just felt this one is like the most removed from what I kind of thought this show, uh, had, had been so far. Um, and it's, again, it's not that it's, it's bad. I actually think it's, it's, it's quite good. I just think that like, I've been so impressed by some of the other, um uh episodes that this one for me i came away a little bit i think the most um i don't know and it's not because the tech it's not because of the, the way they use technology i think the way they use technology is actually very similar to how they've been doing it which it often is sort of like a gateway to tell some other story and i think this one is 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 quite effective in in doing that and that it you know a portal into a multiverse that um then gets to tell you the story that's very similar to the way that we've talked about how um, like uh, the echo sphere is so minimal, right? Like that's the piece of technology that is so minimal in terms of like, how long are you going to live? Um, this one I would say is like arguably has like much bigger implications and everything else. And yet the story then feels so removed. Obviously it's like the central premise, right? But like 
he goes to a multiverse where he sees himself with uh you know uh, a partner um so yeah i i don't know exactly what it is maybe it is that it's so parallel like i almost would have wondered if it was more like part of me was thinking and you obviously remove a lot of the way that like alex could be involved in the story but i almost wondered like should they have come to our to like this the world like our original mm -hmm. world and been and been there and that's where the story takes place and but i you know I don't, then i'm just like rewriting the show which i don't need to do but yeah i just think it kind of came away with this one being like okay yeah sure uh much whereas like i feel like echosphere is so profound and i you know i love the way that stasis is this metaphor for the way it feels when you're in relationships with the rest of the world has stopped uh in a way that i just felt like this one for me doesn't doesn't do it as much not that it wasn't good again yeah, it's really interesting. I was reading a couple of articles from Nathaniel Halpern, who is the the showrunner, the creator, the primary kind of writer here. And he was talking about what uh, drove him to write this episode. Again, I talk a lot about Stalin Hogg's art. They're just still images. And a lot of these episodes are really inspired by individual paintings that Stalin Hogg did. This one was a painting of that tractor just kind of sitting in a field. I love the the like relatable technology. I mean, I just can't overstate how much the visual aesthetic is something that is infinitely compelling to me about dropping into this world even though we don't use it that much it's not that like prevalent the strange imagery and the weird science of this other world in the episodes were much more rooted in the emotional context of the people as they're experiencing things but this one particular picture really just drew him as he's looking at it it kind of looks like there's somebody in the cab of the tractor and there's somebody underneath working on it and he came to this notion of like what if that's the same guy and what if this is a love story and what if it's a love story that's ultimately driven by the idea that somebody is lonely and that they are compartmentalizing themselves they are boxing themselves out of relationships not just romantic ones but relationships in general because people don't check off all the boxes for them on their list you know and in that way i think the emotional resonance of this episode it's just a little bit closer to the experience that i've lived of the way that we sometimes strive for this idea of perfection and we let it become the enemy of good uh to talk about like yes ends and no buts this notion of like don't let perfect be the enemy of good sometimes you have to settle on like this is as good as i'm going to be able to do it and if i want to complete this thing if i want to move forward if i want to take the next step and pursue actual growth in my life i have to be okay with where i am now and the fact that i can't create this flawless perfect uh ideal of whatever it is that i'm pursuing you know so in that way i found it super relatable but i think it's really fair to say that it's the most kind of removed and tangential to the heart of the story that we've been telling you know which is funny though because it's like kind of an antho it's like to a degree it's an anthology show where like we we live in the same universe but we're we're you know we we focus in on someone different so in a way that's that's what this show is so me being like you know being like eh, it's not it's not exactly in the sweet spot of being like really like i don't we we've met gaddis before in the show where have we seen him like he's just been security guard he's the security yeah. guard for the loop so we've yeah. seen him like sitting in the little booth oh he helps comes. yeah oh, yeah there's yeah, a okay, point even i think it's in episode three where he's sitting in the bar and he's writing in this journal presumably about mm. like this whole kind of experience so it's, it's kind of surreal yeah. Mm. All right. Well, let me give a quick plot recap of Parallel, and then we can chat about the uh, the episode. So, yes, a guard for the loop, Gaddis, has the photo of a man he does not know. Seemingly, he found it in this tractor. Um, and he later meets a man named Kent at the bar, but their date goes kind of horribly wrong. 
The next day, Gaddis goes into a field and tries to fix this tractor, but no luck. Um, he heads home only to find the man from the photo playing piano in his house, and it turns out an alternate version of Gaddis lives with him there as well. The two Gaddises uh, become friends and attempt to use the tractor to send Gaddis back to his own universe, but the tractor won't start, and the loop has been shut down in this universe, so there's no way for him to return home. Um, he's sort of forced to stay hidden from everybody, and original Gaddis becomes jealous of alternative Gaddis and Alex, the man from the photo. Originally, Gaddis starts flirting with Alex, and the two eventually kiss. But when he confesses his love to Alex, he is rejected. Um, alternative Gaddis confronts original Gaddis, um, who uh, then leaves. Tell him, basically, um, this is who Alex is. Uh, he finds uh, attraction with people, but uh, will ultimately always come back to alternative Gaddis. And so original Gaddis leaves, walks to a diner, and comes in contact with alternate Kent, and the two hit it off and agree to go bird watching together. And that's Parallel Rich. It is. It's a uh, pair aerial. Um, I yeah. I don't know. I I think that I what I find so just resonant about it is the experience of just loneliness of this guy Gaddis and the idea that you know he talks about the birding early on. He he goes to like have dinner with Loretta and George because he works at the Loop and so he's kind of friends with Loretta, right? Uh, and we hear him talking about how birds are this other world. It's this world right beside our own, or right on the nose or the beak, perhaps with the like multiverse metaphors happening and this is you know happening like before there's multiverses in literally every television show that you're mm -hmm. watching and maybe you're mm -hmm. a little bit burned out at it but i'm like immediately on board with gaddis because of this notion of the way that he looks at the birds and sees something that nobody else sees of this perfect other world and he's idealizing it's not like that like the birds world is not perfect but i talk about this on a lot of different podcasts i'm this person who lives in a kind of rural part of the world i walk out my back door and there's deer and rabbits and birds in the backyard and i get transfixed by that stuff i think that like the wonderment of the human experience is so kind of burned out to a degree that we overlook how incredible and magical the nature is around us and the whole kind of process of the world happening, the littlest things of like weather and life. And I think it's sometimes so easy for us to romanticize and idealize these birds in their perfect world. But like these birds, perfect world is harrowing and relentless and brutal and merciless. And like there are animals hunting them. They will fall out of the nest and die. It will rain on them. But Gaddis has created this idea of this alternate perfect reality. And then to get like thrust into a literal alternate reality and realize how imperfect it is. I think it's like really beautiful in a way. And it's so relatable to me as somebody that's a little bit younger and doesn't have kids and maybe isn't able to connect as much with the story like the one about Russ and Cole and all of that, you know, um, that's the stuff that like works for me in a, in a big way, I guess. Yeah. For me, definitely. I agree with the, with the relatable part. Like it's, you know, everyone at some point has felt lonely and, and Gaddis is clearly a character, you know, our version of Gaddis that we met originally is a character who spends a lot of time alone and we get to see his life and he himself wouldn't say that he has uh, much going on in his life, certainly obviously as far as his, his love life and he's pining over his picture. He's so busy you know, fantasizing about this thing that he misses this good opportunity with Kent, his Kent that he meets and that he doesn't even get to find out, assuming both Kents are both birders. He doesn't even get to find that fact out about his Kent. So it's like a missed opportunity because you're so busy 
you know, pining after this thing, this, this perfection, like you said, Rich, and the idea that miss, like, this is something that we've seen many times, obviously in time travel stories, like meeting, like I said, meeting a version of yourself, but the idea that like, he gets to romanticize a thing that he has, like so many times the story is you travel back in time or you're stuck somewhere else and the technology either doesn't exist yet or no longer exists like it like here and you're stuck with whoever but in this case to be stuck with yourself and like the same version of yourself not a different age person you know a younger version an older version this is just him and it's it's like really it's just really really fascinating to me to get the the perfection that he has sought. Like I remember so many times being younger and like fantasizing what my life might be like, not like necessarily chasing a fantasy, but just thinking and daydreaming. Like, mm -hmm. what will it be like? Will I have a, will I have a partner? Will I, you know, will, will I have children? And you don't quite know. And to literally get to not just see that life, but kind of live it and then try to steal it is, uh, is really fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, we obviously got here after the dark of it all, and I thought about this episode a lot as one that I thought would be resonant for us, right? And the way that you have this mirrored man meeting himself, and the, this other version of him is so charitable and kind, Grace, and like, we're friends. I want to be friends. Even after everything goes down, he's like, I don't want to be bad at you. Like, can't you find a way to stay here? Can't we make this work? Can't you be okay? And to Ariel's point, like, he he's not, he's he's in this life with these two men, but he's kept at arm's length. Oh, we're having company tonight. We need you to go stay in the shed. Right? Like it's so charged in a certain way. Can't say it's your twin brother, man. Come on. I know that seemed real obvious for a couple of guys that are working out the quantum physics of the tractor that has transported him through dimensions. The fact that they could be like, yeah, this is my brother, my yeah. long lost brother who I have never mentioned. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think that um, for me, I do, I do like the, I think what you're talking about, Rich, which is this idea that he see, he goes on this date with Kent and it's not perfect. It's like, it's fine. It's a little awkward, you know? And so therefore it's like written off, but then he meets Alex and he sees this idea of Alex of who he is. And he imagines that he's perfect, that he he's exactly, I mean, he sees that because he's seeing it to a degree, right? He's seeing himself uh, like alt Gannis, right. Um, in a relationship with Alex and seemingly like, interestingly, like a functioning one, but also one where he, that man cheats on <laughs> alternative mm -hmm. Gaddis with mm -hmm. original Gaddis. So like, he's also willing to ignore that big red flag that like, even though you are the same person. So I think all of that is like, actually is, is, is pretty interesting and, and fascinating in the sense that um, he's, when he looks at Kent, he's like not willing. He's, he's only seeing the imperfections. And when he's looking at Alex, he's ignoring all the imperfections. Right. And then the way that ultimately, you know, Gaddis, you know, alt Gaddis has to be like, that's who he is. Like, you gotta, you know, you gotta figure out what your own thing is, right? Yeah, and he is very kind. Like, you could stay, you could hang, you could still hang out. In He's so excited shed, but... to be friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he really yeah. is. Which I think is a good way to emphasize that, like, how similar they are, despite them in this moment having like a pretty like tense conversation about, like, whether or not Gaddis too takes Alex for granted or not, right? Like that's what that's what Gaddis, like original Gaddis, says. Um, at the same time, I do feel like there's enough hints in there where you can see that they are um, a multiverse version of themselves, but also they're they are the same person, right? So this idea that like 
Gaddis being this in the in our original world, being a pretty lonely guy. And then Gaddis too, he does have friends. He seemingly has friends over for dinner and he's with that, but mm-hmm. wanting, he's like, but you could like hang out and be my friend. You know, it's like you, you could very much see the through line between the two Gaddises in terms of that personality quirk, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it resonates. I think, you know, Halpern talks about how he wanted to characterize these two as siblings in a sense and how Gaddis Chew is like twins more life. Yeah, really. Right. He's but Gaddis Chew has had a little bit more life experience. He's had this relationship. He's and he says to Gaddis one, like there have been other men before. There were other people before Alex. Two things which I thought were really interesting that I was looking forward to discussing with you both. But but the whole dynamic of the first meeting with Kent, right? Right. I think it's kind of like a chance encounter. They're not like so much set up on a date as they are right, like right. running into each other at the bar. But I found this a really interesting subversion of expectations. And maybe you guys are perceiving it differently. But in the way that like, you know, Gaddis is a homosexual man. Right. And he, he's looking at like Kent and he's judging him about like oh you don't like music oh you don't like these things that i like he like completely writes them off immediately right. it's like there's right. no there's nothing to delve here there's nothing of interest he just again like kent does not check off the boxes if you're not in the music i can't even imagine how broken are you and he wanders off and it's only once he returns at the end that he realizes that he's created this expectation of perfection in a reality that does not contain it that he's able to slow himself down and give this man an opportunity to like show him what's underneath the cover and just to like read the first page of the book and they find this immediate commonality of being birders and the ivory-billed woodpecker and all of it. And I don't know if I'm like reading a thing, uh, putting more emphasis there than there was. Yeah, for me, it was definitely a little bit of, and unfortunately a, a familiar feeling of like measuring each other. Like, is this person gay i don't want to offend this person you know there's like that unfortunate dance that you do and you're like afraid but you're also interested and like there is a connection there i that part felt very uh true true to life for me for sure it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I I think then the other question that I had for you guys is like, did you anticipate violence? Was this like, was there mounting tension for you? Because I saw a lot of people in their assessment of this episode talking about how it it seemed like a foregone conclusion to them at a certain point that like only one Gaddis could survive, that this was a Highlander situation, Grace. Like, is that, did you track that at all? You you know what it reminded me of, Rich? It reminded me a lot of a Black Mirror episode that came out uh, this year that I actually. Oh, God, it kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was there was a little bit of me that was like waiting for that. And that's a big theme at the end of 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 that. But that one takes a little bit of a twist that I. Yeah. yeah, Anyway, uh, I think the thing that everybody thought was going to happen in that I'm trying like really hard not to spoil that. um, I think uh, would have been like a fair ending to sort of this of yeah the idea that like he kills, you know, pretending to be alternate world gaddis to to stay there you know it's interesting i think that this show has been um 
brooding, but it has not been to my, you know, my thinking it has not been violent. I don't think it's mm-hmm. been like dark and, it, 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 and like, yeah, like, like fake, fake up uh, Danny stuff. That's like, that's pretty dark uh, and like sinister, but, and, and there's a way you could call that violence, but I, I don't feel like this movie has been, or this has been like g- that type of like, you know, um, uh, darkness. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If, what do you think, Gary? Like, I do think it, it felt tense. I just don't know if I was like expecting that. I was maybe, I was not very much expecting like a happy ending between Gaddis and old Kent, I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know. What do you think, Ariel? I certainly wasn't expecting a happy ending, like you just said, Grace, for for Gaddis, uh, for our Gaddis and Alex. But I for sure, I'm really glad you brought it up, Rich, because there were so many, well, not, there were a couple of moments where I was like, oh my God, is this about to take a really dark turn? Like, I remember distinctly when Gaddis, our Gaddis walks into the room of the camera from behind him. It just felt like there was something. I don't know. I got horror elements for some reason, which wouldn't have been to be clear, like in line with the show necessarily, but I just, I, I didn't think I it would have been like totally that. out of the realm of possibility. I think it's yeah. like, it can exist in that. Like, I think in that Danny Jacob type thing of like, sure. yeah, it's pretty, that's dark. That's pretty yeah. dark. And so like, it doesn't necessarily need to be gory to like insinuate that like, and almost like it could have been more of a mystery, right. Too of like, some violence. is there just a cue to us that that's, um alternative or like original gaddis as opposed to like right like that he did something but we or like even scary and i don't think this is the show because i think you could have done this with like danny and jay and i guess maybe they've done but like to not even let us know whether or not that's happened and like you yep. know move forward could have been interesting but i you know i do i do think it's um a thing about this show i think that one of the things i like about when shows do live in sort of uh a, a darker tone uh, um, sort of in that in, in, in a more brooding world. I like that. Cause I think that that's true. I think that's like resonates. If like, you know, I, I don't relate to a show and rich, like, you know, you joke all the time. is like, you don't watch comedies. And I think a lot of times it's because comedies um, live in this, live in a much like brighter cinematic world. Right. Of like, yes. everything is cheery. Everything's happy. So I like a show that, because I feel like, that's real that like so much, you know, it's both things. It can both like a show can be both funny. And and that's where I find like my favorite shows live. The in best that shows world. are. Yeah. yeah. Live in both of those things. And so I actually do love that. Like they, you know, not that I think everything has been dark as like Danny and Jacob, like even like um, static is like kind of sad, but not like super sad. It's like Ethan takes off his bracelet. She knows her mom's cheating. Like, that to me is not to the level of like Danny and Jacob. Like there's a reason Danny is a Danny. Yeah. Danny's getting yeah. like consistently high marks on her LVP board. Right. Yeah. Danny opposed, is the easiest to hate. Right. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to, I think like, I do like that the show, I think it has been more consistently in a darker tone. And so suddenly in episode six to uh, surprise you a little bit and say like, look, this one kind of ha- like this one is happy. There's no reason why in this one it has to be. Although the tragedy is that like, he has to go to an alternate universe to find that, uh, you know, there's I no mean, reason. I guess me, he could go back, but I don't know. 
you, you know, you evoke Black Mirror, Grace, and no spoilers, but it, but it hits me with like San Junipero vibes, Ariel. Like it's mm. it's that element of like I do think as much as we talk about, we keep going back to like Danny and Jacob and that being like this dark moment, but Danny doesn't do that with like a violent intention, right? right. I think that while we're very out on Danny and we can like objectively step back and be like, you monster, how could you have done this? There is also like a lot of factors there that this is a young kid that like saw no future for himself and felt hopeless and cornered and makes this decision thinking that like they're not going to take the machine apart in the woods like he doesn't have the intention to leave his friend trapped in a robot or whatever it is right like there is there is like a merciful interpretation that I think we haven't looked for that it's not nefarious in the way that like a lot of the violence in dark was very actively like no no I will kill you now you know mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very like aggressive violence in that way so i don't know i find it like startling and in terms of the way that we mix emotion and tone like there's not a lot to laugh at this episode really right there's not a lot to laugh at most of tales from the loop and i think that's probably part of why it wasn't as successful as it might have otherwise been it could use some elements of levity if we're being like really critical but i do think this is a pretty optimistic interpretation and, and part of the reason when i reflect on like why i live in spaces like this rather than comedy is because it is relatable to me at the end that like there isn't a happy ending in life a lot of the time you have to reconcile yourself with compromise ariel like that's mm-hmm. life it's yeah. it's barely gonna work out like that expectation or or speculation you had about what your future would look like when you were a young man right yeah and comedy feels easier in that way and i don't mean it's like funnier to uh e- excuse me i don't mean it's easier to write comedy i just mean I agree with you. It's just if for me, like sitting in the complicated, deep, sometimes overwhelming emotions is just a more it's it's a it's 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 uh it's something that I enjoy more. And it's just uh, you know, maybe that says something about me, but the idea of the complication and how true to life it feels when, you know, a lot of times there are emotions that you can't quite um even explain and to the point about like it not being lighthearted necessarily that's why i loved and you made this point earlier rich the the interaction that they have especially after the two goddesses have especially after the alex thing comes out and after goddess prime has has uh now been intimate with alex it's the way that again this is playing against the the same you know, like stereotypes in time travel where something is going to go wrong or something, you know, people aren't going to get along. They're going to be competing. And here the other goddess is like, I, I'm going to miss you. Like that just hit my heart because it was so real and honest. And it really reminded me of, of, uh, of into the spider verse, the movie, Yes, like the, the, the part, one of the parts that I like the most, this is so like, dorky and like kind of embarrassing but whatever into the spider-verse masterpiece ariel the one of my favorite parts in the entire movie sorry mild spoilers is when these different versions of each other are talking and they're saying goodbye and they say i love you to each other and it's like you understand me on a level that nobody else can and like this connection that i share with you means more to me than i could ever express and like the words i love you carry almost as much meaning as i am trying to uh trying to convey so it's just i love that moment and this was like 
this was giving me uh emotions similar to that and like it was heartbreaking mm -hmm. to watch them you know like have that interaction and then ultimately not be able to come uh well, to the middle ground again yeah that's so resonant with me the whole notion of like you know what, what you're talking about there this, again halpern just talks about the the kind of guiding light of this episode is the notion that gaddis is looking at people like no they don't check every single box that i need them to to allow them in and and the way that like somebody his, his own self can say like oh you know i will miss you like i love you and and meanwhile he's judging himself right grace like he's writing mm -hmm. off this alternate version of himself of like how can you take this man for granted i would feel like so fortunate to have this man in my life and the other version of him is like dude he's not perfect and i'm not per we're not perfect perfect either you know like we make it work but like it is what it is and, and but, i love you and the fact that he's like cutting off himself because that's really like what we look for in relationships i may be projecting a little bit right but part of what is so reassuring and comforting and empowering about being in like a committed long-term relationship is that you have somebody that you can be authentic with that when you're done with your day of work when you're done dealing with your in-laws or your neighbors or whatever it is there's somebody that you can take all the masks off and like be really forthright and candid about your fears and your angers and all of like the idiosyncratic bullshit that makes you a person and maybe makes you an imperfect perfect person that that is hard to acknowledge about yourself so the potential to have that kind of like connection with another version of yourself who knows you as well as anybody and gaddis still like rejects that he can't even like get on board with that he's going to turn and walk away like it's powerful to me well i know this show is is good but i know it's not dark when because i feel like if Baron Boadar and Yante Frise were making this. Uh, the Gaddises would have just sucked up. <laughs> oh, for sure. There's a threesome <laughs> happening here. There's definitely a threesome happening yeah. here that resolves the entire like tension yeah. of the entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. bring in Kent. Um, no, I, I no, I do think all of that stuff is like really resonant. I think also the fact that he's saying like you take him for granted. It's very funny that he's saying that to basically himself because he also has to know that to some degree, like he, he's he's. He's talking to himself, you know, he's like, so he knows that perhaps he, he himself might be taking them for granted. Anyway, I just think like the layers of it, it is pretty fun. You mentioned the word in-laws, which I did just want to point out. There's one thing I was thinking as I was looking and when I was like, kind of like look back on the previous episodes, because one thing I, we talked about how Echosphere is pretty sad, but I was trying to think about like when in the episode it gets sad. And I actually think like, you know, early on Russ reveals that he, um, you know, he, he has cancer and he's not going to live very much longer. And so we do live in that like kind of sadness for a bit. But by the end of the episode, we get this montage of like Cole, like speaking into the ecosphere mm -hmm. and this moment at the end of like the, the, like this life that he will have. Right. That's very, that's very, an up, that's an uplifting moment, even in stasis, which I feel like has the opposite where by the end of the episode, it's this like depressing, like it, so, but during the episode, I feel like that actually for the most part is other than her, like when she sees her mom, but for the most part, this is like two people in love. So there's like, there actually is a bit of like joy to it, which is why the ending stings a little bit of like, oh, oh yeah, like, you know, this is what it's like when you like have, you know, you're in the honeymoon phase of your thing. Anyway, I was just looking through back and thinking about this episode because I do think that that is kind of a through line here in terms of, I think if the episode sits a little darker, the ending might actually be a little happier or have an uplift. Like, I do feel like they do try to find balance between this in terms of like, if they're brooding for a bit, he, they might actually try to sneak, like Nathaniel Halpern might try to actually sneak in a little bit of positivity at the end. But I was looking and I see that the next episode is directed by Ty West. 
and Ariel. Ty West is uh, X, and, X Pearl, and Pearl. Yeah. So that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> but I was looking at who the director Raise of this yourself. episode was, which is Charlie McDowell. And you said the word in-laws, Rich. And I just want to talk about this man's family. This is a man born to Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenberger, who then Mary Steenberger divorces uh, Malcolm McDowell and marries Ted Danson. So this man's stepfather is Ted Danson. And then he marries Lily Collins, who is the daughter of Phil Collins. So just for a second, imagine <laughs> the like Christmas party of Charlie McDowell, Lily Collins, and then their parents collectively, Malcolm McDowell, Mary, Mary Steenberger, Ted Danson, and Phil Collins. Yeah, it's just a roster right there. It's just quite a that. roster. Yeah. Um, Noah Halpern, he notably, or Nathaniel Halpern, I should say, yeah. he notably did Legion. And I know that Charlie McDowell directed a couple mm, of episodes yes. of that. Um, Legion's like a real mind bender. I've watched show, the first season. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's really like pretty awesome okay but then do you know who's who's directing the finale of the season this is amazing jodie foster martin scorsese yeah. oh jodie foster is the finale of the season anyway, this was I a real pedigree little project tales from yeah. the loop right the hans yeah. zimmer score i mean there's like a lot of like heavyweights contributing to this project yeah, yeah totally. all right should we should we dive in let's do our uh mvp lvp uh i think it's just a little bit tricky where do you where do we want to start um Rich, i'll do, start i'll start yeah. i'll start so i think that i gotta this is a really interesting one because i've thought about this a lot i think that part of like i was asking about violence because i felt a lot of tension in this episode and i think that part of the tension is the use of alex and the way that alex is like held really at arm's length like mm -hmm. when we look at how central of a motivator he is for gas us for everything for the entire episode um he's this catalyst he's this active ingredient but he doesn't have a ton of dialogue really no. he's not like a really dominant character he's not super well developed i think we learn more about him from gaddis too than we do from him himself but i think in a certain way like I don't know. He's definitely going to be my LVP mm. because of the way that yeah. he is like such a dick to Gaddis too. He kind of is right. He's doing this whole like charming, smarmy, attractive, beautiful man thing. He's got all the right words, but he's also like seducing this poor man who he realizes he's got like dead in his sights. And, and I think that like, there's an element of like, him just being menacing i find like his presence just dangerous it increases the whole danger of what would be like otherwise a really sweet dynamic between gaddis and gaddis mm -hmm. i'll also give my point to alex it's a very good point he's kind of yeah he's like and then i feel like gaddis being like that's who he is he just cheats on me a bunch yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh man he's like that's i gotta so do sad. what i gotta do man yeah. yeah nothing's perfect yeah what about you ariel um yeah i can't really think of Honorable mention LVP to uh, Loretta's husband, who like really sucks at small talk. <laughs> George? <laughs> George? George? Yeah. He's yeah. Like, oh, great wine. Sir, please try a little harder. I, um, I think I said this in the Discord, but I do like, I hope we never find out uh, George's, what happened to George's arm because then uh, Waller's uh, eye slash uh, arm right? is equal to George uh, yep. George's arm. Mm -hmm. yeah. that's, his, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's his father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's oh God, it's the Alex thing is is crazy because like he's so he's so charming. Like there is there is clearly I can't imagine his position, like meeting a different version of this person that you've known for so long. And now they are this person, but slightly different. And how like is it even cheating? I was just about to say <laughs> and how like it starts to feel and you could totally see how someone would rationalize it that way of like i have this impulse to cheat 
what you know and your mileage may vary but obviously in their in their relationship at least they've been it seems like alex has been open about it if even after the fact but the impulse to be like okay well i want to cheat but it's kind of the same guy so like this is fine right but emotionally obviously it isn't the same and that's where like this charge is coming from um so i almost can't blame him but i don't really have anyone else better so he gets better. yeah that's fair all right mvp um i would like to honorable mention may who gives gaddis the most true. important thing as she's gonna like fix the tractor like seemingly true. she's the one who fixes the like weird loop ingredients that allows true. the tractor to like plane shift you know right? so like mad props to may showing up there on the side but i think my actual mvp point has to go to Alex because Alex makes everything happen this entire episode. Alex's like whole identity, the way that he's like, you know, he's drawing Gaddis one out. He's responding to Gaddis one. He's kind of validating him. And and I love like the people who make the like engine of, of fiction work. Right. And so like the presence of Alex is so like central to all of this that I have to give it to him. I don't think that like he's inherently nefarious. He just is who he is much as Gaddis two points out like he's swept up in all of this because it's new and exciting and like that doesn't make it okay but uh he did like get gaddis at least to like get in the tractor and make the whole thing happen so mad love to alex you don't have to you you rich or you never have to defend like uh you know i'm not saying what he did was okay you gave ulrich a point uh, oh yeah long live ulrich man f you hell ulrich in the rock yeah i'm gonna give <laughs> i'm gonna give mine to kent when he's like i feel yeah. like i'm very similar when he's like i just don't really think to put music on i'm like yeah me me too man i'm like i gotta watch an episode of tv or something you know that's me um not because i'm like forgetting about music but yeah i'm gonna give my point to kent he's pretty sweet he's like like a get cute guy he knows all so much about birds yeah kent's great yeah sweetheart um yeah, I mean, I should really give my LVP to to what's her name? Who fixes the thing? Because she's May. Yeah, we do hate May. This goes wrong. But no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> rewriting history. I do not hate May. Um, I MVP. I oh, should I correct her? Something we said earlier, which is that Hans Zimmer does a score, but it's Philip Glass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Should I just yeah. I just but before we so, get tweets? So just before we get. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I said so, that. Yep. That's okay. I was just looking because he has two points on the leader on the MVP points. So yeah. I you know, I'm gonna give it to other Gaddis. Gat for, alt Gaddis Gaddis for being like, wait, can't we still be besties? And just like that that impulse, like being such a such a surprise, such a pleasant surprise for me. And ultimately, like it's a lovely fantasy that obviously cannot come true um can i just tell you that uh, gaddis got a point in episode one i believe for helping young loretta so yes. uh, i believe that was from you reg um, oh, speaking of loretta I very quickly gaddis. i just want to mm -hmm. draw attention to uh the moment where after they have dinner like they have been at dinner and have had all this opportunity to talk and then it isn't until the two of them walk outside that they're like are you good are you there was just like some yeah that, mm -hmm. that emotional shorthand there and like that trust that they only have when they're together was really cool to see can I tell you about a tale of two leaderboards, which is for the LVP. Danny is running away with this thing. He has points almost every episode. So he has eight points on the MVP leaderboard. Like nobody is running away with it in an anthology. Show, to, to run a, yeah. Everyone has one or two points to run an anthology leader, uh, a, 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 a leaderboard for an anthology show. 
was an interesting choice, but I didn't really know. Um, all right, rating the episode. I'll go first. I, the lowest I've given the show is a six out of eight. That was for episode three, which I think is static. I'm just going to double check that. I think I'm just going to give it the same. I do think this is an episode that I liked more after talking about it, which does sometimes happen, but I still do. I don't think it's better than static. I don't know if it's worse than static, although I do like, I like the metaphor of the tech more in that episode than I like this, but I may be more invested in Gaddis, Gaddis and Alex. That's a good, that's like a good lawyer. Gaddis, Gaddis and Alex. Alex. Yeah. More than I am May and Ethan, but uh, so I'll give it a six out of eight. I like where you're landing there. What did I give last episode? Oh, yeah, sure. I can do this. All right. Episode one, you gave 6.9. Nice. Episode two, 7.5. Episode three, 6.7. Episode four, 7.8. And last episode got a 6.7. So last episode tied for your lowest ratings. I'm going with the 6.7 again. I like this about as much as last episode. I really do think that uh, just individually, it's one of my like favorite maybe episodes of the series, but I do think that like removed from the series, it's almost stronger. Like this is the one I would come back and watch by itself without having watching the rest of Tales from the Loop. And I kind of dig it that way. So 6.7 feels good. All right, Ariel. Uh, Ariel, you gave episode one a perfect eight. You gave episode two a 6.9. Nice. Then 6.5, and then back-to-back 7.7s for episodes four and five. Episodes four and five. Which, I shall remind you, are... Let me get this Yes, Control and Echosphere. I'm looking at them. Um, Yeah, that's right. I... God, how am I really going to give it higher than Echosphere? God, these sevens, they suck. I <laughs> I did like it more than last episode. So logic dictates I have to give it like a 7.8. And Whoa. I do agree, Rich. It's almost like a short story that exists outside yeah. of this like universe in a cool way. Yeah, just a tangent again, just uh, this this one Halpern article that I read, it's on comicbook.com. It's from back when the series was premiering. But he talks about how he read, uh, th- there's a series of films, Kaislowski's The Decalogue, which is a series of 10 one-hour films, and then a book called Winesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson, which is the portrait of a town where each chapter is its own short story of somebody living there. And these were like huge influences for him in terms of the way he structured the show and going in on this anthology thing he talked about how the loop is fundamentally this great fiction driving device it like empowers narrative but that ultimately you want to like tell these stories that are about a really relatable everyday person that has something extraordinary happen to them and then we can like respond to that but that when a character has too many extraordinary things happen to them they become unrelatable they're no longer an everyday anybody right so uh, that was like a huge guiding light for him. He wanted a structure where he could come in episodically and like reset us with relatable, grounded people that have never experienced the loop before, you know? Very interesting. All right. Um, that is episode six. Parallel will be back. It's more with episode seven enemies, as I said, directed by Ty West. I'm super intrigued by that. In the meantime, Rich, where can people find you and what are you up to? Uh, I'm at DM Philly in all the places. You can catch my VODs over on Twitch. I haven't been streaming much, but I got VODs of all the TTRPGs up on YouTube. I'm talking about the Winter King as it's winding down. I'm getting ready to talk about Beacon 23 as it fires up. I'm talking about Yellowstone with you, Grace. I'm talking about Burroughs End with Dr. Melissa Woodward. A bunch of stuff going on out there. What about you, Ariel? Oh, just a couple of things. Talking about movies every week with you, Grace. Push Recaps Theater. Talking about uh, The Morning Show, which is also ending soon. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, you so graciously, graciously reminded me I'm covering Six Feet Under with Dr. Ooh. Amanda, one of my yeah. all-time favorites. And Dr. Amanda I'm or Six Feet Under? Just getting started. Ooh. You said one of my favorites. You said I'm covering Six Feet Under oh. with Dr. Amanda, one of my favorites. It's, it's clearly both, and, and that's place. also the only answer that's good in that situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, I'm on social media at high from grace. I think in the, uh, the only other things I'm doing not with one of these two is full spoiler recaps with Jess Sterling. We're talking about a full season of TV every week. And then our flag means death. We should have some bonus coverage for that show. It was a delightful finale. So check that out. Um, we'll be back next week with the penultimate episode of tales from the loop until then ultimate fist bump, ultimate, ultimate fist, fist bump. bump.